Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today at Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community. We're actually in our third year of highlighting people and organizations who are doing great things and making a big impact in our community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group, which is the great organization responsible for bringing you this unique show. Many of us watch the evening news or we read the daily paper, right? But how many of you are sick and tired and frustrated by seeing all these negative stories being written and told? And they're usually smack dab on the front page or they headline the evening news and they're sensationalized while other more positive stories don't get as much attention. You can turn on the TV lately and you hear so much negativity and conflict and nefarious activity going on, right? And one might say it's because of the pandemic and people being shut in or because of the particularly contentious political campaigns going on last year. And I would say that those things have definitely added fuel to the fire. But think about statistics around conflict in our city prior to those things that went on last year. While doing my research in uh, preparation for the show, I came across an article that said, Milwaukee's mayor imposed a 10 p.m. curfew on Monday, and the Wisconsin governor activated the National Guard in response to weekend rioting sparked by Saturday's fatal police shooting of an armed Black man. The unrest, in which protesters torched multiple businesses and police cars, and at least one person was shot, was the second wave of major protests since December. But while anger over the police shootings may have set off the mayhem, Decades of unemployment, segregated housing, substandard schools, and community unrest contributed to setting the stage for Milwaukee to blow. Now, people, this article was from August of 2016, not last year, but from about five years ago. So anger and conflict as a response to the problems we face in Milwaukee is not the answer. It just doesn't work, as we've seen from these same problems repeating themselves time and time again, year after year. But what if we focused our efforts instead on peace? How about education? Education around the real issues and how we might solve them peacefully. What about education surrounded surrounded by leadership and conflict resolution skills? And then Maybe even starting that with kids at a young age to help them develop skills and strategies for handling conflict. I think that's a concept worth getting fired up about. So my first guest today is Tracy Ebert, Executive Director from the Peace Learning Center of Milwaukee, whose mission is to empower youth and adults alike to practice and use healthy communication and nonviolent conflict resolution to manage conflict in their daily lives. So welcome to the show today, Tracy. Thank you so much, Jill. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. And thanks to Ellen Becker for having us. You are certainly welcome. And this is an interesting topic that we're going to be talking about today. Share how your mission helps empower kids and adults in the area of nonviolent conflict resolution. And then what's the, the, the basic premise of the work that you do? 
Right. So we operate from the premise that conflict is really a natural occurrence. It can happen in any relationship in our lives, you know, whether it's school relationships, our work relationships, home or friends, anywhere. We're each each and every one of us is cut from our own unique cloth. And that gives us our own life experiences as well. And we bring those two together to every interaction that we face in every day. And uh, those things, while they make life interesting, they can also lead us to seeing the world differently from one another and and our own unique perspective on everything, which can then sometimes just naturally lead to conflict because we do see things differently. So we also try to remember that conflict isn't necessarily bad. You know, great change can come from conflict, and that's important to remember as well. Um, But the key is that we should learn to handle our conflict productively so that we can maintain healthy relationships. And so that's what we do is to teach specific communication tools to make that happen. And so uh, we're going to get into uh, more specifics about the workshops that you do. But I think we can all say that we've seen or we've witnessed violent reactions uh, in and around our city. And so this idea of nonviolent conflict resolution uh, should not be something new, right? I mean, it's something, as you said, conflict is not a bad thing. It's just how we handle it. Exactly. Well, this is all good stuff. Um, We're actually going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to dive into those workshops that Peace Learning Center offers to help with this conflict resolution. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Tracy Ebert, Executive Director from the Peace Learning Center of Milwaukee. So, Tracy, the the skills that you guys are teaching can be used throughout someone's life to help equip them with facing conflicts, which is awesome. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your workshops? Sure. So we have um, curriculum for workshops for grades all the way from K-5 through 8th grade, Um, Our classroom workshops, what happens is a class will take a field trip to us and they come to the Quaker Friends Meeting House, um, which is just a beautiful space that um, emanates peace from every bit of it. It's just a really beautiful space that's donated for our use. And we focus our workshops. So we start the beginning of the workshop as focused on community building activities And during those activities, the students learn a lot about themselves and each other and how they communicate with one another or maybe don't communicate with one another. And then we move from there. We start to address some issues of diversity and tolerance for other people's points of view. Um, And we also work a lot on trying to help them develop empathy for others. Um, That's such a key when we're dealing with conflict is to really try to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. And then we teach very specific communication tools for resolving conflicts. And some of those tools are things like iMessages and rephrasing. Um, Rephrasing is so important because it shows that you're actively listening to somebody else. 
Um, we also talk about how help students recognize what their emotions are and what they're feeling, because that actually can be really challenging for some of our young, younger students. And then we also teach a little mindfulness practices, you know, some peace breathing techniques and, and ways to ground themselves. And then we also move into some bigger conflict resolution tools, that things that we call Ready, Set, Go is the one that we use with the older students. And then a Peace Bridge is for the younger students. And what I love about those is that the students work through these multi-step conflict resolution um, patterns, uh, questions that we have. And in the end, they're trying to find a win-win solution you know, something that both of them can agree on the solution and how they're going to move forward. So that solution comes from the people in the conflict, not from a teacher or an adult who's present, but really the students come up with it themselves. Um, I love that. I love that we empower every student to resolve their conflicts, you know, not just those special peer mediator students, but really that everybody who comes will leave with the tools and the skills that they need to be able to resolve any kind of conflict that comes their way. And I like to think all of these fall into those restorative practices that we hear about today. Uh, we also know that this is, we're asking students to change patterns of behavior. You know, with, we have these patterns we've established of how we deal with conflict and often they can be from avoiding conflict to forcing our way through it with violence or some anywhere in between there, right? And so we're trying to teach them healthy tools that are more problem solving so that they get to a resolution that they all agree on. Don't gonna... you have uh, situations where not so good practices uh, of handling conflict are passed down through the generations? You know, it's something that affects families as a whole. So do you have workshops that deal with the families as well? Yes, yes we do. So our family workshops are really, um, we have designed those to strengthen the love that family members already have for one another. You know, that's, we all love our families, um, or hopefully we do, <laughs> but we all have daily pressures on us that are real and really can um, impact those relationships, you know, whether it's putting food on the table or just attending school and the pressures that come with all of that. Um, and so a lot of us never had the opportunity to learn these skills, but with our workshops, you get to learn them. And I grew up in a family where I love my family. They're very kind, generous people, but um, we did not learn how to handle conflict productively. The, the method we used was to change the subject. And, and avoiding conflict doesn't really make it go away. It actually just sits under the surface and tends to boil and simmer until somebody adds another insult or somebody makes a comment that's just taken incorrectly. And then pretty soon it boils over into a big, bigger conflict than it really needs to be. So I really try, um, I really believe that these family workshops will really make a big difference um, for families. And, you know, 10 years ago, when I started working for Peace Learning Center, one of the first groups that I worked with, there was a little girl who came. Um, I, I forgot to mention earlier that we have these booster sessions after the workshop. So we go to the school three times to follow up and practice the skills we've taught them and, and troubleshoot if they're having any problems in those. And then also we add new material if they're ready for that. Well, at my booster session with this 
with this one class, um, the last booster session, and I was giving them their certificate of completion that they've learned their peacemaking skills and can go out into the world. Well, during the booster sessions, this girl wasn't even making eye contact with me. She had missed the day um, workshop, so we hadn't really known each other before I got to the school. Um, And, you know, she just kept avoiding my gaze and even just wouldn't respond in any way during the booster session. And then as I was leaving after I said goodbye and I wished them well in their peacemaking, um, I walked out the door and I almost got tackled from behind. And uh, I kind of thought, well, who is that? And I turned around and it was this little girl and she was hugging me and saying, can my family come? Oh. And um, yeah, I always yeah. get choked up when I tell that story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we know that domestic violence is at an all time high and I don't fault families for the pressures that we're experiencing today. Um like I said, these just aren't skills that most people have had the opportunity to learn. And so, you know, if we could just imagine what it would be like if every family had the opportunity to learn these skills prior to these extraordinarily challenging times, how much less domestic violence there might be, you know, just a possibility. Well, and we talk about that, that uh, quote unquote, community unrest. You know, if people don't have these skills, uh, if they don't learn them, if they don't have the opportunity to practice them, my fear is that um, we'll go back to that scenario where we're just responding in in violent ways. And I think the things that you talk about are good for anybody at any age, uh, wherever they come from. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. yeah. Now, part of your workshops is to teach about social justice, right? Can you tell us more about that? Sure. Um, We do teach part of our workshop is to teach about peace mentors. And we try to inspire the youth to go out into the world and make a difference. And so we teach about people who have used nonviolence to make big social change happen. Um, And so we talk about people like Belle Phillips and Lloyd Barbie, who made big differences right here in Milwaukee, all using nonviolence. And we also branch out to people like Malala, who have made a big difference in the world with nonviolence. Um, But we really try to stress that peace begins with each and every one of us. One person can start peace and it can spread from there. And um, and so we try to inspire students to remember that someday they could be a peace mentor. On uh, Monday, I actually was working with a group of seventh grade students. And one of the students said to me, you know, I asked him, well, why do you think you're here at Peace Learning Center? And he said, we're here to learn how to generate peace. And I just oh. loved that, like generate yes. peace in the world. That's a great Exactly. We want you to do that. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. Well, do you have data to show the effectiveness of your work? We do. Yes. So 97% of the students who attend say that they have learned something that they can really use at school or at home. 97%. That's Mm. pretty high. Yeah. 100% of the teachers that we work with say that the content of our workshops is relevant to the students' needs. And 85% of teachers say that they're really using the tools in their classrooms and that it's changed the climate of their classroom substantially. So that's really great data. I think very sure the workshops are really effective. 
Yeah. Well, what about during the, the pandemic? Have you had to change or enhance what you do in any way? Yes, we've really done um, five workshop. We do a five single hour workshop series with each class. And with the younger kids, we break it into shorter segments. But that's how we've been doing our workshops during the virtual schooling. Okay. Well, what about goals or outcomes that you might be prioritizing? Well, really, um, we're trying to bring the community to a place of herd immunity with nonviolent conflict resolution strategies. We really don't want to put a Band-Aid on violence. We want to give people ways to not even get to violence in the first place. Um, Five years ago, there was a 19-year-old at a youth panel about um, what can we do in Milwaukee to reduce youth violence in the city? And this 19-year-old young man said, well, when I was 10 years old, I went to Peace Learning Center, and I learned how to give I messages, and I still give I messages today. And I I remember sitting in the audience at that event and just thinking, that's exactly what we need. We need everyone all across our community to know how to give I messages and beyond that, and to bring school, to bring peace out not just in their schools, but to their families and to their neighborhoods and into the entire Milwaukee community and let peace spread out into the world from there. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, Well, so how can the community come alongside you then and support the work that you do? So I, um, I would love for the community to just know that we're here um, and, and encourage their families to come sign up for our workshops or our parent cafes, which are a shorter version of what we do um, in the family workshops, and also encourage their schools to sign up and bring their classrooms to the workshops. Uh, we are also in the process of developing some professional workshops, which would be great so that, um, you know, workplaces could bring groups to Peace Learning Center and learn these wonderful life skills. Um, I also, as a nonprofit executive director, I think, could always say that we can always use financial support to <laughs> subsidize the cost of the workshops, particularly for the schools, you know, schools have a hard time paying the full cost of the workshop. So that'd be great if they wanted to support us that way. And also we're right now looking for help to give our uh, website a facelift. So those are the things that the community could do. I would love to see more and more people at Peace Learning Center and learning these skills though. That's the key. Absolutely. Well, we talked about how these things that you offer are so helpful for so many people, everybody, right? I mean, everybody could stand to benefit from the information that you, uh, that you offer. So how can people get access to it then? What's the best way to reach out to Peace Learning Center? Right. Well, our website is plcmke.org, peacelearningcentermilwaukee.org, right? But just shorten to plcmke.org. We would love for you to come and see what we do have there. Um, And there's also a link to donate on that website. And then through there, there's a contact form. If you want more information, that would come through to the email. So we would love to hear more from you. I also have the phone number. It's uh, 414-350-4721. Okay, so if you like what Tracy has been talking about, and I can't imagine who wouldn't, lots of good stuff there, reach out to Peace Learning Center 
and get some more information, whether you're a school, a family, an individual, a lot of good things to, uh, to learn. So thank you for joining me today, Tracy. Appreciate all the great information. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to share about Peace Learning Center. You're welcome. Well, skills taught to help with conflict resolution are definitely something that everyone can benefit from. We've said that a couple times here now. Imagine, though, if you're a mentor or a leader and you have the opportunity to teach these skills to other mentors and leaders and other centers of influence. So stay tuned to hear from another nonprofit who's engaging teens in developing their personal, professional, and leadership skills in many different areas, including social justice and advocacy. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest today is Charlene Moore, co-founder and director of the Urban Underground in Milwaukee, and Darren Madison, who is the program coordinator. Urban Underground's mission is to promote the next generation of leaders committed to building safe and sustainable communities. So welcome to the show today, Charlene and Darren. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Jill, uh, for inviting us today and the Ellen Becker Investment Group for such an amazing opportunity to just share our work with the broader community. Absolutely. You are certainly welcome. And again, we're anxious to hear about all the great things you've got going on. Why don't you tell us more about Urban Underground and how you got involved? Absolutely. So Urban Underground was started back in 2000 with, I was one of the co-founders of the organization and many people know my husband, Reggie Moore, uh, who is the uh, director of the Office of Violence Prevention. So back in 2000, we had this wild dream to bring young people together to make change. And it, you know, you fast forward 20 years later and it's been such an honor and such a gift to be able to work with such amazing young people that are now amazing adults to really uh, provide leadership opportunities uh, and really enhance their development so that they can give back not only to their own communities, but to the world. And, you know, we talked about how uh, conflict resolution is important. I imagine you're, you're uh, sharing that with these uh, leaders, as well as we said, social justice and advocacy. Um, how do you advance your mission then with these things in mind? Absolutely. So a lot of the things that we do is um, really do what's interesting to the young people that we serve and to the community. So we have four focus areas, health, education, criminal justice, and public safety. And so, or I, I should probably just say youth justice because criminal justice is so broad. We focus on um, the youth end. And it's that opportunity where we provide young people space to be able to hear about things that they normally wouldn't in school. I think that's the stories that we get all the time. Like, why don't we learn these things in school, Miss Charlene? And, you know, I said, that's okay. You know, your school education is for your math and your science, right? Uh, but when you come to Urban Underground, you have an opportunity to listen to your peers you have an opportunity to, you know, be a Darren who was a, 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 a member in the program who now is um, a staff and is now taking the next leadership um, step in, in his journey in life. And he's running for county supervisor. So, you know, it's those sorts of things that we're saying, 
you know what, you have a dream. What is your dream? We want to support you around that dream. And at the same time, we want to make Milwaukee a better place to live in, especially with the horrific statistics that permeate this community. But even again, with the work Tracy does with Peace Learning Center, it is so crucial that we're providing these meaningful and intentional opportunities for young people to engage on how to um, live meaningful lives. And who wouldn't want to be a part of that, right? Absolutely. I mean, that, you know, such great stuff. Again, I'm always, I'm not amazed, but I am so pleasantly surprised to interview these different nonprofits that are doing such great work in and around the city. And we're saying, you know, we're here to highlight that, you know, there's so much goodness going on. That's what we want to focus on. We don't want to focus on the negativity because as I said, in the opening, it's there. You yes. see it when you, you turn on the TV, you see it when you open the newspaper, we're saying, let's, let's not that we're turning a blind eye to it, but we're, you know, just put that kind of on the back burner and let's focus on all these great people that are doing great things. So why don't you give us some examples of some of the work that you focused on in the last number of years? Yeah. I'll let Darren jump in on, and share a little bit about the things that we've worked on. For sure. Uh, one huge aspect of the work that we've been doing pertains to youth justice and advocating for the closure of youth prisons specifically Lincoln Hills and Copper Lake, which have a history of uh, abusing young people who have been incarcerated and don't actually work towards building a, a realistic continuum of care around those young people. Two, we've launched a, we worked with a marketing consulting firm called Hanson & Dodge along for an initiative called March With Us, Invest With Us, which was a youth-led effort to empower community members to get involved in local efforts to protect and support Black lives and Black youth. We've also worked with Dare to Know to host a teen summit, which brings about 700 young people together from around the state to learn about healthy relationships and to end teen domestic violence here in our state and build actual healthy relationships um, amongst young people with their families, with their partners, um, and with their friends. And then one, the last big thing that we've been working on alongside the city was is the Summer Earn a Learn program, which is an initiative that, emp that empowers and employs young people, um, about a thousand young people over the summer to teach them the importance of earning and saving money while building the skills to join the workforce. And this aligns with a long-term strategy to reduce violence in our city and tackle economic inequities. And if I can just add to that, so, you know, there's a plethora of things that we're working on, but that last piece that Darren talked about, right, uh, it really centers around prevention. So as the audience listens to, all right, you know, it, the, the snow is melting, the sun is coming out, right? And as we're on the cusp of COVID and folks are getting their vaccines, we're going to, you know, we're going to want to get back out and be in community with each other, right? And so how do we use that as an opportunity to engage individuals and engage young people on something much more meaningful? And it's a summer job. Uh, I know a lot of people remember, I know folks can remember, what was your first summer job? Mine was, I was a swim instructor. I worked at the YMCA, right? And so it was, I remember those times, they were fun and I learned so much. We want so much more for the young people this summer. So we are supporting Employ Milwaukee in having at least 1,200 summer youth jobs this summer. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Another great organization. We're going to have to have uh, reach out to them and have them on the show as well, Employ yes. Milwaukee. 
Um, so it, what I'm hearing you talk about is a lot about education. We can't provide solutions around things that we know nothing about, right? And so the first thing in my mind is to get educated, understand what problems that we have in our city, and then try and put together some solutions, including peaceful and nonviolent conflict resolution, including advocacy, including social justice, all these things that you guys are doing to empower teens through mentoring and leadership. All that's uh, really great stuff. So we're going to take a quick break, uh, but when we come back, we want to hear more about how Urban Underground is having a lasting impact in our community. I think that's important for our audience to understand, okay, these are some of the things that you do now help us understand the impact that it, that it has. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking with Charlene Moore, co-founder and director of the Urban Underground in Milwaukee, and Darren Madison, uh, who is a program director. So share with us uh, your impact. Talk to us more about that. I'm, I'm hearing that you believe leadership is more than something you talk about, right? It's something you do, and it starts with self, and it impacts everyone around you. So you want to elaborate on that a little bit more? Absolutely. So one of our mottos at Urban Underground is nothing for us without us. And so when we think about the impact of having young people at, a, at, at having a seat at the table, and not just be recipients of programming, not just, hey, I'm coming to a program. Thank you so much. I'm going to take what I can and then I'm going to leave. For us, we believe that young people, you know, some people say young people are the future. And I, and, and I love that. But I always say, but what about right now? Right. Young people, they are the right now. And we have to really start looking at and advocating for young people to sit in positions of leadership and sit at the table as a way to learn and, a, and as a way to provide that sort of necessary feedback from with their experience. Um, growing up, for me, early 80s, I love the 80s, by the way, <laughs> is much different than these young people are growing up right now. I have teenage, I have three teenage kids. Them growing up right now is so different than the time where we were always outside playing and, you know, basketball and riding our bikes. We, you know, we were always playing outside now because of the rise in social media. We're now using those opportunities where young people are engaging on a smartphone, you know, they're engaging, you know, socially in that way. And it's different. Right. And so, you know, so with that, we understand that it's so important for young people to be in um, to be a part of that sort of change and be a part of our organization in a much meaningful way. And with that, we've been able to, you know, our success and I'm, you know, we're so grateful to God for the work that we do because we have had hundreds and hundreds of young people go through our program, but some people may know um, one of the more famous folks for us is David Crawley, uh, who was an alum of Urban Underground and is now Milwaukee's 
first African-American county executive, right? David's tell the story all the time that, you know, the situation that was going on with him at home, you know, he remembers the story of him sleeping on our couch, sleeping in, you know, and then at the time, I don't even know if me and my husband were married yet, you know, but he was sleeping on the couch and I was just like, wow, you know, I never knew that sort of how, you know, how young people remember, you know, particular, particular things, but once you provide that sort of love and support and guidance and really just be, it's more than just them coming to a program, it's us engaging, you know, in their lives. And, you know, we have a plethora of young people um, said that have been with us in the early years, such as a Jeff Kennedy, who um, runs a multimedia uh, organization called Power Forward Media, um, or Imani Ray, you know, who has um, Naturally Beautiful, which, you know, she's a business entrepreneur and, and leader, or Jovan Goodman, you know, who is an author. She just wrote a book. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my gosh, these are some amazing, amazing opportunities that we've, you know, provided for our young people, but it wasn't everything that we've done. A big part of it was us providing the framework and the structure for these young people to be successful and, and again, allowing them to realize their potential, you know, allowing them to be supported in a way that was meaningful. And all of the stories aren't, you know, um, you know, roses and, you know, sweetness, you know, we've also had some young people that have succumbed to um, our incarceration setting. And so, you know, we have a young person that's been locked up now for the last um, six years. He gets out in November and myself and Darren and a, and a slew of, the, of other folks have supported him over the years, even though he made a bad decision. He knows that there are people that he's still worth it, that he still has worthy. His life is still meaningful. And he now has an opportunity to think about what does life behind bars and how can I continue to now live out what my true gifts are, you know, despite the um, despite the decisions or poor decisions that were made. So there's opportunity for us, you know, not only having young people at the table, but also being able to nurture and support those uh, that, you know, may not have made the best decision knowing, you know, just letting them know we still love you, we still support you, and your life is, you know, still have meaning. Absolutely. Well, you you mentioned that you provide programming and, and support and leadership and mentoring to uh, kids aged 14 to 21. And so I think, you know, it's important what we kind of talked about in Tracy's segments about the importance of starting them young, you know, help them to understand at that 14-year-old age you know, what it means to, to be a leader, what it means to advocate for yourself as well as on someone else's behalf, right? And then you work alongside them through, through those crucial years. Um, I think that's, that's great. Uh, have you guys been impacted at all by COVID? And if so, how so? So as we think about how COVID has impacted us and impacted the world, right? Um, some of the things that we've had to do um, is have more one-on-one -on -one meetings with our students um, to support their emotional and mental health and creating spaces to listen to students. Um, I think of a time that I, I actually still yesterday, right? A student of mine gave me a call really early in the morning and she was in crisis and we had to take a moment for her to breathe, right? And just be centered in her moment um, so that she can give me clarity around what she needed support. 
in the, through this crisis, um, a lot of their struggles have been made more apparent. Um, and we try and make our, ourselves available 24 hours to be able to support them through um, navigating their emotional struggles, their mental health struggles, as well as some of the things as it relates to their school or the, even their family dynamics. Um, we've also been um, working with students to really build a model of programming that doesn't engage them in virtual fatigue. A lot of students have to deal with being in Zoom meetings or Google Hangout meetings all day with their teachers in their learning environment. So we try and create a digital space that creates the same kind of emotional feelings and connection that they're able to get in when they're actually in our space, um, connecting with us directly. And then we've also been trying to work to create more ways to be able to, to support our students and have fun with our students um, while still maintaining social distancing um, through games, shortening our, our session times, and also just figuring out ways to tap their creative um, well, their innovative skill set to be able to make our sessions more meaningful and impactful. Um, and they've been our greatest teacher in building a realistic model that works for them. I'm sure. I mean, I have three children of myself, so I know that they're great. They're great teachers, right, Charlotte? You mentioned you've got three teenagers. Mine Absolutely. are older than teenagers, but yeah, they certainly provide uh, education in areas that we never even thought of. Yes. But um, what would you say then? Again, all awesome things that you guys are are providing and we want to make sure that our audience understands how they might be able to walk alongside you as you walk alongside others and so what would you say um, is your greatest need right now yeah absolutely so again as we are getting ready and gearing up for summer that's going to be one of our primary primary opportunities right now for folks to be engaged. Individuals can support summer earn and learn. Again, we have to get up to 1,200 young people to, you know, to be paid and engaged in summer activities for the summer. And so we're hoping that individuals can either um, donate resources. It takes about $1,300 to fund um, one young person 20 hours a week. Um, and I believe it's seven for seven weeks. It's either six or seven weeks. And this is an opportunity for young people to get, you know, do part-time work, but to have some meaningful experiences at a variety of different, whether it's a nonprofit organization, such as an urban underground or um, a running rebels, or it might be at a business or a company, a pizza company or a barbecue company, whatever. Um, we want people to be able to just open up their doors to say, hey, I, I have a spot for two young people. Hey, I got a spot for three. You know, hey, I only have a spot for one. But we really want employers and just, you know, the community to step up because, you know, as we look at how do we make our summer safe, we are going to have to be very intentional about providing opportunities for young people. And so, you know, again, a big part of it is going to, um, especially for those older young people, those high school age young people and above, summer earn and learn students go up to age 24, it starts with a summer job opportunity. So we want everyone to be able to, as much as possible, provide some, you know, provide your resources, or if you have connections to um, an employer, please let them know that we, we really want to um, be meaningful and have summer job opportunities for young people. Okay. Well, Charlene, why don't you share the best way for people to get a hold of you? Please. Yeah. Folks can um, shoot us and shoot me an email. I'm on the uh, planning committee with Employee Milwaukee. My email address is S as in Sam Moore, M-O-O-R-E at urban underground, 
urbanunderground.org. Spell just like it sounds. S more at urbanunderground.org. Or you can call us at the office, 414-444-8726. And let us know how you can um, chip in. Okay. Well, I want to thank uh, all of you today. Uh, Tracy Ebert, again, Executive Director of the Peace Learning Center of Milwaukee, and Charlene Moore and Darren Madison from Urban Underground. Thank you all for your commitment to supporting peace and unity, leadership, advocacy uh, in our community. So thank you. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, or if you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at Jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. You can join us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to learn more about the ways people and organizations are contributing to making our community a great place to live and work. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to newstalk1130.com on your computer. You can always listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. Uh, And then you can visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows or listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So I ask you to think about how you might set an example for kids and or adults in your center of influence and beyond, actually, in the area of mentoring and leadership by adding conflict resolution to your list of skills training with the end goal of developing a more compassionate, patient, understanding, and peaceful community. As Charlene said, it starts with each of us individually. So let's all find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great day.